0: Well, hello, podcast world. What a day. It is March uh, 4th, and I'm coming to you from the outskirts of the capital of New Jersey, Trenton, where it's a beautiful day. We've got really nice, clean air. It was really foggy last night. The whole place was covered in clouds, but everything was just beautiful. Really like living out here in the uh, in the woods, so to say. Where uh, got lots of trees, we got lots of uh, nature, got mountains around us. It's really nice. We're right next to Princeton. I always say Trent, and everyone else says, "Oh, I live near Princeton." I say I live near Trent because Trenton's got a bad rap. And, um... But Princeton, everyone knows Princeton. They're like, oh, that's such a great place to live. And uh, even in Trenton, or the outskirts of Trenton, where I live, they still call it... Sorry about that noise. They still call it, um... Oh, we're Princeton South. We're Princeton West. We're... Just tastes like Princeton. Can't believe it's not Princeton. Anyway. Enough with that bullshit. Um... My son would say, Daddy, you said a bad word. I am going to get myself a McDonald's breakfast sandwich with my gift card that I got for free from them complaining about them taking 15 minutes to make me a coffee. So, uh, or maybe not because of this. So, go the other way. that point in McDonald's. Yeah, random, random, random. This is just... I don't know why anyone would actually listen to me talk and this bullshit, but um, hey, if you're listening, what do they say in Hog Story? You're listening to the stream of random, whether you want to or not. Um, So I'll just imagine that you're some random friend of mine and I'm just telling you about something. Well, right now, I'm just introducing myself, giving a little context of where I am, where I'm coming from, where I'm coming at you from, and, uh, you know, what life is over here. So, what I've been really thinking about recently, so I've had a little um, something to think about. You know, I've always uh, read um, different crazy books. Uh, One of them was like the Illuminati trilogy from Robert Anton Wilson and uh, you know, other type of conspiracy stuff like the Foucault's Pendulum um, and stuff like that. And I guess it's really just the question of um, coming up with some conspiracy theory, some way to explain everything and then fitting the whole worldview into that. You know how people uh, go into the flat earth theory and they try and um, fit their whole world into that. Well, yeah, I mean, Wilson and Leary, I guess, well, Wilson's book, he was talking about these reality tunnels, and he said that's from uh, Leary, I suppose, I don't remember exactly, where uh, people live in a reality tunnel and they try and prove everything that fits in that tunnel. Well, my tunnel du jour, my tunnel of the day is the fungus theory, and it's just brought up some interesting concepts about static versus dynamic data in the computing world. So let's just go over that um, really quick, because this is something that I've been thinking deeply about. You know, for a long time, I've tried to study the static, do static analysis, uh, partially because I was doing object-oriented analysis Object oriented design, database analysis, and I always loved the database uh, relational models and those diagrams, the big spider webs of all the different tables. It's like, yes, that is the whole world. We can model the whole world in a database. Wow, look at that. Um, and then that went on to object oriented design, Grady Booch, um, and then that turned into UML. And UML is kind of like the Java world, um, mostly, because when you go into Python and, like, more dynamic languages, you know, nobody really talks about UML much. Uh, so, but they've got some really good stuff. Um, I did a project once where we did these sequence diagrams, and that was really amazing. Um, we had to do sequence diagrams for everything before we wrote code. And uh, that was a lot of uh, That was a real learning experience. So sequence diagrams are really like the question of what messages are being passed, what are the interactions between the components over time. And time is here the main thing, and time is also the question of um, changing or change. Now static is non-changing, so it's kind of like the stoic idea of like history repeating itself over and over again and you can't change. Groundhog Day type situation. That's like static, let's say. But the guy is changing his history. Groundhog Day, that's dynamic. So, <clears throat> the idea of Buddhism uh, being reincarnated or Hinduism. Hindu, being reincarnated over and over again to learn your lessons that's also dynamic I would suppose but what I'm trying to get at is that this whole idea, I have this intuition I can't describe it clearly but let me just give you my intuition my intuition is that somehow language, written language or symbols the sequence of genes Right? Let's just say that the sequence of genes... um, A a given sequence of genes is an expression of a language. That language is interpreted by life. It's replicated. DNA turns into RNA. It builds cells and all that. Well, if the original life was a fungus instead of a bacteria... uh, Spreading across the universe... Right. This is the theory that, at least, life on Earth. This is the current working theory uh, that we're working on with the fungus theory. Is that it wasn't bacteria; it was a giant spore explosion, spreading its spores out. Like we mentioned, uh, you know, Scientology with the planet exploding. Well, maybe though, that was the fungus exploding, and, and the and the thetons were of the spores. And But somehow these spores are interrelated with language. So, gene theory, meme theory, encoding, uh, mutations in that code, and the mutations in, those, in that code, mutations in your behavior. I mean, we could even try and get down to the theory that a dynamic behavior of a computer, let's just say the dynamic behavior of a computer and so in one project I worked on it was an automotive project and they worked on the uh, the transmission systems in cars automatic transmission and they did a lot of mathematical modeling So, let's just assume that mathematical modeling can produce, obviously, can produce dynamic systems and dynamic behavior. Um, Nash equilibrium, I suppose. I don't know enough about it. I haven't actually studied dynamic systems enough. I know about some chaotic systems, like fractals take the function and you feed the data back into it and it produces something else. So we might have fractal systems, chaotic systems, with self-feedback, creating um, unique behavior or non-predictable behavior. Um, It might be much simpler than that might be simple mathematical functions, but let's just assume that you have some mathematical function over time and you have your inputs and you're able to model a little bit of what the behavior is going to be. But maybe we can't really model what the behavior is going to be of a human, but we can probably model what the computer's behavior is going to be for a large part look at a code and we say well what is this code doing at least for simple code like your simple um, skip logic or if then else type stuff but maybe you can't maybe you can i mean this is getting into um, the question of girdle the undecidability if someone makes a statement like oh the world this statement is false, right? Contradictory stuff, um, statements about the statement itself, and other crazy uh, reflective things. Uh, I'm sure there's all types of loopholes and problems, uh, or just general super complicated things that cannot be decided in time. You know, the decidability problem is: will this system terminate at any given point, and can we determine if it will terminate or not? And again, those things are difficult, very difficult. You know, programmers will do crazy stuff like, oh, well, it's a virtual machine, so we're just going to load in the um, bytes from the internet, and then we're going to interpret them. You've got an eval loop. It's like, yeah, it's a command and control system for a botnet, and it's designed to be encrypted itself, and um, controlled by someone in some other country, by some obscure mechanism um, that you don't know about. So you can think that there's all types of stealthy things that can happen um, in the code that make it very difficult to understand. Um, you know, we can get into encryption, you can have multiple layers of encryption where you just cannot even... Um, decode what's going to happen, right, where the code of what might be executed will be decrypted first, you see, either from the internet or it's in an encrypted blob, that blob has to first be decrypted, um, maybe it's done in a hardware, maybe you can't access the results, I mean, this is the whole things. these are the things that they do for protecting like PlayStation games, stuff like that they've got those hardware chips, um, or the Xbox, you know, you can't replace the hard, the CD-ROM drive, because the CD-ROM drive is paired cryptographically to that, um, device. And all these crazy things that people come up with, um, to make it harder and harder to, uh, break the, um, encryption, or to uh, copy things, or to take control of it. So, I'm just giving you some ideas of why um, Why things are not always decidable, they're not always obvious, they're not always simple. Okay. Now we also have just simple things like, oh, we're going to add up these numbers, we're going to do um, a loop over this array, it can be very simple and plain and obvious. And that's a lot of what we do in the computing world um, for business stuff. It's just like super simple, obvious, um, algorithms, you know, take these things, look them up over here, get the results, look it up over there, do some fuzzy logic, some lo- logic on it, do some filtering, you know, list comprehensions, basically. All right, so, yeah, we got multiple layers to all of this, and I have no claim to really, um, have paid attention to all the details um, in my computer science classes and books because uh, I can't there's really these, these super complicated uh, polynomial time uh, type equations um, that are just humongously um, expensive. Things like the uh, Traveling salesman problem. But why am I telling you all this? Well, basically... A lot of times I've been thinking about logging things... And writing things to disk and creating... Making them static. Like, I always thought that the end goal of everything was... Make sure you get it written into a log format. Make sure that it's structured data. Like, I've always been obsessing over structuring data... Like getting the right log format, getting the right structure, making sure that those structures are understandable in some form, interpretable in some form, etc. So now I'm trying to think if that is basically somehow... That's just the, the static representation, now I'm starting to move into the dynamic and this is also because of my thoughts about the fungus because basically I'm thinking that all things that are static are dead and all dead things are food for the fungus so the more log files you produce the more food you're producing for the fungus this is just my gut feeling um, and then also the more books you wrote for the fungus weird way uh, dusty books uh, collecting dust you know, dead data dead words. Even these words that I'm speaking going into the air, being recorded on the uh, podcast, they're effectively dead until they reach your ear, until they resonate with your mind and come back to life. And is that not the semiosis? Is that not the creation of the symbol, the semiotic, the symbol meaning uh Semaphore, this is coming from Orgadro echo is the uh, uh, father of semiology, the author of the um, Foucault's Pendulum conspiracy theory book, World of Conspiracy Theory book. But basically, he was going on about symbols and their creation, um, and are we not just creating symbols right now or, or tokens or things or food and is it not just food for the focus in some way? I'm not totally clear on my idea here. I can't articulate it completely yet. This is just working gut intuition. But we listened to... We just watched the uh, Karate Kid the other day. And Mr. Miyagi said... He um, said, daniel son, if you're making your uh, bonsai and it comes from your heart, then it is correct. And I took that as something to trust my intuition, and right now, this is what my intuition is telling me. I'm going to go with it, I'm going to roll with it. Um, It may or may not be correct, we don't know, we're going to figure it out as we go, we're going to work out the theory a little bit, and um, it's going to mutate, because the theory of the fungus is a meme, and the meme will mutate. Memes mutate as they go. So that's basically what we're working on here. Symbols. The, the meme is the idea that it copies itself from a person to a person, from a person to a book, from a book to another person, and it lives in your head. And I'm thinking that there's a new word for a meme of the computer virus, which is copying itself from computer to computer. But right now we're talking about the human. But my theory is is that there is some kind of meme, some kind of behavior um, program that is coming from the fungus. Let's say the fungus is producing alcohol, getting you to drink alcohol, right? And it's making you depressed, and then it wants you to drink more alcohol. So is that not some kind of meme that's being created by the fungus to control us the alcohol you know, and in the end, my wider intuition is that um, maybe the fungus, the original fungus, created the humans uh, to feed it and to be its agent of change, because it was the static, it was the dead symbol that was given life when it landed on the planet. It was instantiated. The symbol was read by the planet, by the water and the heat. So the planet evaluated. The planet evaluated the fungus or the life form. And that life form then was created, instantiated, copied. So the living fungus is a copy of the gene that or the thing, the spore that came through space, let's say. In this theory now. And then it created more and more uh, mutations of itself or created other beings um, from its code somehow. Where they mutated into plants and then into humans, etc. Created the whole life on the planet. Um, But somehow, also, this fungus contains more information in my theory. It's got some more information from outer space from its uh, its origin and that people who taking acid, and I never took acid or mushrooms or anything like that but people who take those things um, tap into somehow it alters the structure of the brain somehow you know, Dennis McKenna and Terrence McKenna and all that you know, we need to study what they were saying more um and, you know the Stone Age theory and all that expansion of the brain, but somewhere the fungus is containing a code, and that code is interacting with the brain, and it contains the symbols. So basically, the words on paper are similar and sim to the symbols, or the the spores of the fungus. So that's my intuition, that the words on paper are the spores of the fungus in some weird way that I cannot explain. And that's what I'm working on. Alright, enough bullshit. Time to go to work. Have a great day. Bye.